You know, the other day I was doing some coaching with a couple of pretty senior business leaders in a Fortune 500 company, and uh, I've changed the names a little bit to protect them, but uh, John was talking about reemergence. He was talking about coming out of this pandemic, out of the challenges of the last year plus, as I filmed this anyway, it's been about a year plus. Uh, and he was just talking about how frustrated he was with the whole pandemic. He was talking about how uh, so much of it had been an overreaction, so much of it had been an inconvenience. And he was just, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't railing on any one position. He was just simply saying, like, I'm done with this. I'm just ready to, to get connected again. It hasn't been that big of a deal to me. I just want to connect. Not long after that, I was having another conversation with a lady I'll call Becky. Now, Becky could barely even talk about coming back together. And the reason wasn't because she was necessarily scared about, you know, reconnecting at work. But what, what had happened was she had lost her mom uh, to COVID. Her mom had contracted COVID, had gone through a horrific uh, experience with the illness, and Becky couldn't even be at her side when she passed. Um, she could not be part of the funeral. Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about those two very different places. And, you know, the, the reality is here in this country right now and really all around the world, people are, are reemerging into the sunlight out of this pandemic in very different emotional states. And I will tell you, Rooftop Nation, our ability to know that, our ability to read that, that human terrain and lead that way is super important. I'm sharing this with you because I learned this the hard way in Afghanistan the first 10 years I was there. Uh, I moved around that country like many of my other peers did with very little knowledge about what the last 40 years had been like for the folks that lived in those villages. And until we started to really spend quality time in those communities, uh, that was when I first started to see the miles that they had run and the scars that they had endured. And, and really, when I, when I was able to see the pictures in their head and they knew it, that's when things started to happen, when I was relatable to their pain and relevant to their goals. And I'm telling you, as we reemerge from this crisis, how we listen, how we connect as human beings is really going to affect how we survive or thrive. That's going to determine because we're going to make it through. But are we going to just survive coming out of this thing, which a lot of businesses are doing, a lot of communities are doing, a lot of individuals are doing? Are we going to thrive again? Because if we're going to get back to thriving, if we're going to get back to a sense of abundance, that requires bridging trust. This bonding trust shadow tribalism will never see abundance. We'll never see thriving, no matter how entrenched we are in our positions. So how are we going to do that? I mean, when people are rolling into this thing with scars, scars of turmoil, uh, scars of financial loss, scars of personal loss, and then other people are fine. They made it through fine. But how we connect with each other, if we don't find a way to bridge those gaps uh, of where people are in different emotional states, then we will naturally divide. We will naturally group and we will look at each other with contempt. And that's already happening in this country right now. It will fuel that trance-like state and the amateurish divisionist leaders who currently have the microphone will continue to divide us. And we will continue to surrender our agency to an environment, to a society that gives us basically scarcity that results in survival versus thriving. And I don't believe anybody else is coming. How about that? I don't think anybody else is coming, as my friend Bo Eason says. I think it's up to us. 
and leadership starts with us and how we connect at that level. And, you know, it's to me, uh, you know, talking to someone who experienced loss of whatever kind in this pandemic, um, you know, and, and just telling them to suck it up, Buttercup, is the equivalent to going to, a, to a, a, an Army Ranger who did four tours in Vietnam and just saying, hey, man, you just need to feel better and get with it. Right? That doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't, you, hopefully you wouldn't do that, but it's no different. You know, I mean, people who have experienced emotional pain of whatever variety in this pandemic or through other things that have happened during this time period, that's real stuff. And the leaders who are going to be relevant, the leaders who are going to own the rooms are the ones who know that and they play that way. They lead that way. They engage that way. So how can we do that? I like Dr. Benjamin Hardy's approach and personality isn't permanent of being an empathetic witness. I don't think the environment, the arena, your arena has ever required an empathetic witness as much as it does today. This is a way for you to play a real position here. If you want to think about how you show up as you reemerge back into society, back into the community, back into work, think about being an empathetic witness. And all that really means is simply bearing witness to the, the, the pain and the opportunities that happened to the individual across from you. You want to listen like your life depends on it. You want to really try to see the pictures in their head, try to be relatable to their pain, relevant to their goals, and really just meet them where they are. The tendency today is as soon as someone starts to talk, or even before they talk, we put our opinion into the world, or we judge somebody with moral superiority, which basically is one step away from contempt, right? Or we try to offer unsolicited advice, which people don't need in those moments. All of those things, is we just do the opposite, and we'll be a good empathetic witness. And people need that right now. And once people see that you're meeting them where they are, not where you want them to be, then that is rewarded with the emotional temperature coming down, the body armor coming off, and reciprocity where they want to connect. That's how we bridge in day-to-day. And it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Simple is lack of complexity. Easy is lack of effort. And it's not that. Everybody else is going to take the easy route. Not everybody, but a lot of people, certainly the divisionists, and they're just going to apply their emotion to it, that justified vengeance that fear-based behavior, that anger behavior, that trance-like state, and that will put us in a bad spot. So those are the approaches that I would suggest to, to meet people where they are and to really keep from getting burned. Because the bottom line is if we don't do this, the, the, the cost is you're going to create social insurgents. You're going to create people who will, who will oppose your goals and they will become an outgroup to what you want to do. And that's not what we want as we come out of this thing. That will make it impossible to thrive and create the social capital and abundance that we need in this world. So that's my encouragement to you. Set those conditions so that you can bridge trust. Uh, and remember, it's simple, but it's not easy. If this was useful in any way, I hope you'll share it with your tribe, share it with people that can make those connections and so that we can keep each other from getting burned. We can bridge across and be an empathetic witness to the journey that people have made because we, until we've walked a mile in their shoes and asked those questions that let, us tell, let them tell us their story, we really don't know. And that's when connection starts to happen. So thanks for what you do and I'll see you on the rooftop.